John 16, verse 33, he said, In this world you will have trouble. In this world you will have trouble. Not might have it, not could have it. You will have it. Not question mark, exclamation point. This word trouble is an interesting word. It carries the idea of pressure and pain together. A pressure and pain that is not just annoying and inconvenient, but a pressure and pain that is devastating and debilitating. A pressure that will buckle your knees. A pain that will break every bone in your body. It's not just about a wheel flying off, but it's about the whole axle being torn out from under us. The trouble that Jesus spoke of is the kind of trouble that takes everything we hope for and dream of and count on, and it snatches it from us like a thief would. Tonight, the Ruffin family is experiencing that trouble. And our church is experiencing that trouble with them. You see, when one hurts in the body of Christ, we all hurt. When we all hurt, we all hurt individually. In the light of this catastrophic accident, 10,000 questions run through our mind. Questions like, why? <laughs> you have the why questions. I have the why questions. Do you know Job had the why questions? When he went through what he went through, he asked why. Asaph, the psalmist in Psalm 73, was going through some difficult struggles, and he asked why. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 20 of the book that bears his name, asked why. John the Baptist, the greatest prophet ever born of woman, according to Jesus, in Matthew chapter 11, asked why. And Jesus himself, in his humanity, in the Garden of Gethsemane, asked why. So asking why is perfectly human. It's legitimate. It's valid. But you know something? When we ask the why questions, heaven answers us. You know that, doesn't it? How does heaven answer? With silence. We can ask the why questions, but don't expect the why answers. In the days to come, we and the Ruffin family are going to work through this. It is a process, you understand that. 
Most of us like the jiffy pop way of doing things. Pop it in, pop it out, and on our way. But this kind of trouble doesn't lend itself to that. There's going to be shock. There's going to be pain. There's going to be fear. There's going to be anger. There's going to be isolation. There's going to be grief. And as we work through this process, they and us and all of us together, we're going to find a, a marvelous truth. God's grace is greater than an accident. Where trouble abounds, the grace of God will abound more. What I'd like to do in our time together tonight is learn some things about how we should respond to this in the moment. How we should respond individually, how we should respond collectively together, you might say. We're going to use Job as our example. I can't think of anybody else in the Bible who is more graphic illustration of the word trouble that we just spoke of. And I want to leave three things with you tonight that I hope will be helpful. In our pain, in our pain, may we praise the Lord. Only a Christian can say that. Only a Christian can amen that. If you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're confused about that statement. In our pain, may we praise the Lord. Job is a wonderful book to read and to study. But Job in chapter 1 of verse 21 of the book that bears his name, as he was going through the pain and pressure, the trouble of life, he gave, made a remarkable statement. He said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Naked I came into this world, naked I shall leave this world. The Lord is given to me, graciously given to me. He has a right to take away. And in it all, blessed be the name of the Lord. Job was doing fine one day. He didn't have a care in the world. And then all of a sudden, the bottom fell out of Job's world. Yesterday, the Ruffin family was doing well. Not a care in the world. And early this morning, late last night, the bottom fell out of their world. Job, in a span of 24 hours, he lost his fortune. Job was a wealthy man. He had a lot of gold. He had a lot of silver. He had a lot of livestock. He had a lot of property. He had a lot of material things. 
And he used his wealth for the glory of God, may I add. But in 24 hours of trouble, Job lost everything, everything. He lost his land, he lost his livestock, he lost his gold, he lost his silver, he lost his houses, he lost it all. In a snap of a fingers, he went from a prince to a pauper. Not only did he lose his fortune, he lost his family. He lost his sons, he lost his daughters, they would all die in one day. In one day he would lose his treasure, his sons and daughters. And his wife would walk off from him. And we have no reason to believe she ever came back. He would lose his fitness. Job was a healthy man. He took care of himself. He eat good. He worked out. Took his medications. Went to the doctor regularly. And in a period of 24 hours, he will lose his wealth, he will lose his family, and he will lose his health. He will be stricken by a disease that was grotesque and gruesome, painful and loathsome. He would lose his fortune, he would lose his family, he would lose his fitness, he would lose his fame. Job was a famous man in his day. He was famous because he was perceived to be righteous, and he was. But when he lost all of that, the perception changed that Job must have sinned against God. Maybe he was a hypocrite. Maybe he did something wrong, and God is now punishing for it. That was the theology in that day. We still have some who believe that today. It's nonsense. But Job lost his fame as those who respected him began to despise him because they had bad theology. And then he lost his friends. I guess you could call them friends. As Job was going through the trouble, they lectured him, they debated him, they scolded him, they mocked him. With friends like that, you really don't need enemies. But in 24 hours, think of it, 24 hours, Job has lost everything. He's lost everything. How would you respond to that? Let's just pause. How would you respond to that? If you were where the Ruffin family is tonight, if you were where Job is tonight, how would you respond to that? How would I respond to that? Job's response is absolutely amazing. In the face of this kind of pain and pressure, in the face of this kind of trouble, in the face of this kind of calamity, he breaks out in a doxology of praise. Not griping, not complaining, not criticizing, not whining, not moaning not cursing. He just begins to praise God. He fights back the pressure and the pain, and he obeys the Word of God. You know what the Word of God says, how we should face trouble? In everything give thanks, 
In everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you and I. And Job understood that. Oh, was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. It was extremely difficult. But he begins to praise God because that's what God's word says he should do and he wants to be obedient. He also begins to praise God because he understands God's word has a promise there. Romans 8, 28. We know all things work together for the good, for them that are called of God, for them that love God, who are them called to God's purpose. You see, that's why it's important to know the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. Because when trouble comes, and it's going to come, you've got to have something to draw from. And the well of philosophy and the well of religion have nothing to offer. The well of secularism has nothing to offer. But the Bible has something to offer. And Job draws from his understanding of the Scriptures and he gives thanks to God and he praises God from his promise that everything's going to work out. If you were to ask Job, did he know how everything was going to work out? He would tell you no. He just praised God. So I'm calling on us as a church in the midst of this to be vessels of praise. To show this world we have a reason to sing. To praise the Lord. Paul and Silas were in prison. Do you recall that? What did they begin to do at the midnight hour? They began to sing. I don't know if they, either of them could sing, but the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You say, Pastor, what do you believe they sang? Amazing grace. The old version version, the new one hadn't come out yet. <laughs> oh, they sang amazing grace. And you know something? God inhabits the praise of his people. And when the praise goes up, the presence and power of God comes down. In our pain tonight, may we praise God. Secondly, in our pain, may we trust God. In Job 13, verse 15. Job again says something that I find profound. It's profoundly simple, but it's simply profound. It, I, I ask myself, could I have said this? Job 13, verse 15, Though he slays me. This is Job speaking of the Lord. Though he would take my life, I will trust him. I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm not turning back. And if he chooses to take my life, that's okay. I'll still follow him and I'll still trust him. As we look at this situation before us, you say, Pastor, this is not right. And you're correct. This is not fair. 
And I agree. Explain this, Pastor. I can't. Why, Pastor? I don't know. Give an answer, Pastor. I have none. Where was God, Pastor? On his throne. That's all I know. You say, Pastor, you don't know a whole lot. You're right. Thirty years ago, I knew everything. I get dumber as I get older. <laughs> when you're young, you think you know the ways of God. Get older, you figure out you don't. When you're younger, you feel like you, th you know the thoughts of God, but as you get older, you figure out you don't. Job didn't understand either. He was one of the greatest men of God who's ever lived. He says, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't understand why in 24 hours everything near and dear to me has been taken from me. I don't understand. But Lord, I trust you. You know, when disasters and catastrophes and tragedies come, they all seem to be senseless and confusing. We cry out for answers, and the answers are all gone. Where did they go, Lord? Where do they go, Lord? We don't know. Can I make a statement to you? Troubles in this world will never be understood. There'll never be an explanation for troubles. That's why the Bible says the just walk by faith. Not by understanding, by faith. We're not told in the Bible to try to figure out God's head. We're told to trust his heart. If you know somebody loves you, you can trust them. Correct? I didn't always understand my father or my mother growing up. But I knew they loved me. And because they loved me, I knew that whatever they did was always for my best, whether I agreed with it, understood it, or not. As I've gotten older, I know that God loves me. And he loves you. And whatever he does always has ours and my best interest at heart. And I will trust him. I'll trust that his goodness and kindness are there. I'll trust that his love is there. I will trust that his plan and purpose is there. I will trust that his choices and decisions are the right ones and the result will turn out well. You see, we always want answers. And there is no answers. In our pain, we trust the Lord. In our pain, we praise the Lord. And lastly, in our pain, we learn from the Lord.
Job said in the latter part of his book. He said, I have heard of you by the hearing of my ear. Translation, everything I know about you, God, I've learned from other people giving a testimony. And then he says, but now my eye sees myself. Translation, I'm learning now through personal experience. Personal experience is the greatest teacher you'll ever have. And Job learned some amazing truths in the trouble that he went through. God would teach him about God. Church, God is teaching us about himself in this. You know that, don't you? He's teaching the Ruffin family about himself. I know that they don't understand that, and I don't expect them to. But in time, they're going to walk away, and they will see God differently than they've ever seen Him before. Because now they won't know about God from what Keith or Sam has taught them. They won't know about God from what they've heard Pastor Jim or Pastor Norman or any other fine ministers in our church teach them. They will know about God because they've experienced it firsthand. They will learn that God is sovereign. He is in control. God knows what he's doing. He doesn't explain himself. There's no need to. And he has the power to transform. He's a transforming God. Not only can he turn water into wine... Not only can he turn a few fish into hundreds of fish, thousands of fish, not only can he take a few pieces of bread and multiply it to feed thousands, he's a transforming God. He also has the power to transform bad into good. You read the account of Job's life, you'll notice in the last chapter of the book of Job, that he gets all of his fortune back. Everything he lost financially, God gave it back to him. The family that he lost, he gets a new family. He also got a new wife, I believe. He got his health back. He became healthy again. And he had a new understanding of God through it all. You say, Pastor, what did, what, did, what did Job learn in all this? He learned about God. The greatest miracle wasn't that he got everything back, restoration. The greatest miracle was revelation. He learned about God. And he learned that God was sovereign. He's still on the throne. Even in the midst of this, he's still on the throne. He also learned, Job did, that God is sufficient. He is able. God is able to help. In fact, God is all we need. But you'll never know that God is all you need to God is all you have. And sometimes 
Life's troubles will kick the stool out from under us and we have nothing else to stand on. Therefore, we've got to learn how to do what? Learning to lean. Job learned that God's grace was sufficient. His mercy was sufficient because God is sufficient. Alexander Solzhenitsyn learned that God was sufficient when he was in Siberia. Corey Ten Boom learned that God was sufficient when she was at Ravensbrook. Lisa Beamer learned that God was sufficient on 9-11 when her husband Todd and other passengers went down saving the Pentagon. And Caleb and Eva and Angela and Robert and others will learn that God is sufficient in this accident that they have went through. And we as a church will learn that God is sufficient as we see this unfold, we will see that too. So what's our response? <laughs> they, they don't understand this. That's why I tell you, we'll praise God. In the tears, we'll praise Him. In the trouble, we will praise Him. He's worthy to be praised. We'll trust God. I didn't say we'd understand Him. And I'm, I'm not telling you we'll figure it out. That's why the, the old gospel song says we'll understand it better by and by because we will. Most of the questions we have will be answered up there, not down here. Therefore, we trust Him. We'll walk by faith, not by sight. We'll walk by love, not by facts. And we'll learn from God. What is God trying to show us in preparation for what might lie ahead for this church or us as individuals? He's teaching us His sovereignty. He's teaching us His sufficiency. 